the three C's, these are something that I and probably every law student were taught in law school, the three C's of cross-examination. Next slide, you're gonna wanna write these down. So the first step in impeachment is committing. That's a little bit of Wendy Hernandez. If you did not hear the show last week, log on to blogtalkradio.com, fathermatters.org, or soundcloud.com. We got so many emails this past week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many phone calls this week. Yes, there are people dealing with these things. So we are going to continue part two of this. And I'm so glad that you got so much out of this. And again, reach out to Wendy's. Her office number is 602 602- Two three zero two three three three, or log on to Wendy's website at HernandezFirm.com. That's with an F, HernandezFirm.com. So what we're going to do, we are going to really get back into this. We're going to get some things together behind the scenes. So we're going to get back. She's doing a workshop when she was speaking at our fifth annual court and custody conference this year. And her Topic was command the courtroom, basically how to represent yourself. She just seen so many people who was just trying to represent themselves in court. So we're going to return back to Wendy, but we're going to go into a commercial break, get it all queued up for you. And we're going to pick it up from last week. Father Matters presents Boot Camp for New Dads. Come learn the basics of infant care and dad's important role in a baby's life. For more information about the Father Matters Boot Camp for New Dads, visit fathermatters.org. Topics include father's health before and after birth, postpartum care, supporting mom's needs after birth, and much, much more. Boot Camp for New Dads. For more information, visit fathermatters.org. Way to do this and a way not to do it. I'm going to teach you one of the right ways to do it in just a few minutes. Another problem that people have during cross-examination is, next slide, Shan, they don't prepare their own witnesses to be cross-examined. So their witnesses are on the stand. The other party's attorney gets up and grills that witness, and the witness falls apart, freaks out, gets angry, and that's that's not good. You have to prepare your witnesses for cross. So does anybody want to learn how to prove someone's not being truthful on the stand? Yeah? Raise your hand if you want to learn this. All right, guys. So next, next slide, Shannon. The three C's, these are something that I and probably every law student were taught in law school, the three C's of cross-examination. Next slide. You're going to want to write these down. So the first step in impeachment is committing. You want to commit the person to their prior testimony. The second step is to confront that person with the truth or what you think the truth to be. Commit and confront. And then the third step is to complete the impeachment. So I want to give you a quick example of how this works. I had a very hotly contested divorce trial last week that had been going on for some time. And one of the main issues was... um, a big van that the people had. And we're not talking about a minivan. We're talking about a Mercedes Sprinter van. Does anybody know what those are? Like big vans. We're talking $100,000 vans. Um, And they were arguing about how this van was going to be disposed of. And, And my client wanted it to be sold at a certain amount. Husband wanted it to be sold at a lower amount. 
And we had proposed to husband, well, go out and get an independent appraisal and we'll consider it. So the husband got on the stand and he was talking about how unreasonable my client was being and what a jerk she was being and how she wasn't cooperating um, and that she wouldn't agree to him getting an independent appraisal. Well, the fact is, is that I had actually written his attorney a letter saying, go get the independent appraisal and we'll consider it. So husband got up on the stand and he said, yes, she's being a jerk. She won't agree to my independent appraisal. And I thought, oh, my antenna went up. I couldn't wait. So on cross-examination, I first committed him to the prior testimony. I said, sir, you just testified during direct examination that my client would not agree to an independent appraisal of this van. Isn't that right? And he said, absolutely, she wouldn't. So then I said, well, isn't it true that actually, yes, she did agree to an independent appraisal? No, it's not true. Isn't it true that I actually sent a letter to your attorney saying that she would agree to an independent appraisal? No, you didn't. So then the next thing I did is I pulled the letter out, which I can't believe he didn't review because it was disclosed to him and his attorney, and I brought it to him on the stand. And I said, sir, I want you to look at this letter, and I want you to read this letter and tell me what it says on paragraph two, sentence one. And it says that my clients and I will agree to an independent appraisal of the van. So that was completing the impeachment. So that's how you do it. You commit, confront, and complete. So be sure and write those three C's down. So next slide, Shannon. And we just played with that one. And I could go on and on with examples of this that you could use in custody cases or child support cases. So there's a lot of different ways you can use impeachment. So the next step, number four, is show me. Show it. Show the evidence. Show me the evidence. And evidence is just not documents. Evidence can be a lot of things. Next slide, Shannon. Evidence can be pictures. Oh, go back one slide. Evidence can be pictures. Evidence can be text messages. Evidence can be emails. Evidence can be a witness's testimony. It can be almost every, anything that you can imagine. The real key is getting the evidence you want into evidence. And thankfully in Arizona, we have really liberal rules of evidence. Um, so the judges let almost anything in, in as long as it's been disclosed. And if it involves a child, if it's in the best interest of a child, even if it hasn't been disclosed on time. So next slide. One of the, the issues that people have when it comes to evidence is they don't know what to do with their evidence. Once they have it in hand, once it's been disclosed, there's certain steps when you go to trial that you have to have performed or done before the judge is going to accept the evidence. And most of the time, the judge sets it right out in the minute entry. You have to deliver a copy of your exhibits to the clerk of the court five days prior to the hearing. Um, it needs to be tabbed. There needs to be an index on top. You need to disclose a copy of this to the other side. So people don't follow this rule, and then they show up in court, and they're shocked, and they freak out when they cannot admit their evidence. The rules are really easy. You just have to know what to do when it comes to this evidence. So that's one of the main problems. The second problem I see that people encounter when they're representing themselves is even if they did all that pretrial stuff correctly and they delivered the set to the judge and it was marked and they gave a set to the other side, people don't know when they get into trial that they have to ask. Next slide. They have to ask for the evidence to be admitted. So I want you to write this in your notes. And this should be number four. Ask. Really. 
Now, it's, it's not necessarily that simple, but it can be that simple. When you're in the courtroom, the judge cannot look at your evidence unless it has been admitted as an exhibit at a trial. You can't expect just because you've had your exhibits delivered to the clerk and the clerk marked them that the judge is going to look at them. You have to ask. So this is the way you ask. And again, there's a lot more to this, and this is a short presentation. You're not going to be um, a law school graduate at the end of it, but this basic piece of information may help you if you're going to court soon. So the first thing that I do when I have a piece of evidence that I want to admit, go back, Shannon, go back. I ask to approach the witness, so say it's a picture. I ask, Your Honor, <clears throat> may I approach the witness? Sure, the judge will say. So you go and hand your exhibit to the witness, and you're, you say, I'm Joe Schmo, I'm handing you what's been marked as Exhibit 1 for identification. Can you take a look at this picture? And Joe will look at it. And then the next thing, next slide, Shannon, is you're going to ask the witness to describe what's in the picture, when the picture was taken. What does the picture de de depict? This is called laying foundation. And when you think that you've laid enough foundation for this exhibit to be admitted, then, next slide, you're going to ask the judge to admit your piece of evidence. Your Honor, I move to admit Exhibit 1 into evidence. And the judge is going to turn to the other side and say, do you object? And objection's a whole other ball of wax. But in family law in Arizona, the judges are really liberal about evidence being accepted. So there's probably a good chance that it's going to come into play as long as it's relevant. So it's all about asking. Ask to approach, ask the witness to describe, and ask to admit the evidence. Next slide, Shannon, please. So the fifth step and the final step that we have time to cover today is block it. And there's six steps to my plan, but we don't have time for all of them. Um, but the fifth step is blocking it. Blocking unwanted exhibits and testimony from coming into play. Next slide, Shannon. So the family law courtroom is a serious place. In some ways, though, it's like a playing field. You're in there, and you're kind of playing a game with the court, uh, playing a game in the courtroom. You have to strategize. You have to follow certain rules. And if somebody doesn't follow the rules, then there's fouls. The difference between the courtroom and um, real ball courts is the judge, who's the ref in this situation, is not going to call the foul. It's up to you to know what fouls to call. This is called objection. objections. So next slide, Shannon, please. Um, most people don't know when to object. The timing is confusing to them, so that's one mistake they make. The next problem that people often have is they don't know how to object. So this is not TV. Real life is not TV. At the trial I had last week, my client had a few of her friends come to support her, and it was a hotly contested trial. Even at that, at the end of it, the friends told me, this is not like it looks on TV at all. <laughs> you know, it's very different. So in real life, at least here in Arizona, in my experience, there's not pounding on the table and stomping around and screaming at the top of the lungs. And if there is, there's usually a lawyer getting held in contempt of court because judges don't like that. So people don't know how to object. And I'm going to talk to you about how to object in just a minute. The third problem that people often have is they don't prep for objections coming their way. They're trying to admit evidence into, uh, into the trial, and they don't know how to prep for those objections that the other side or the other attorney is going to make. So let's talk about how to object. 
Next slide. So I played tennis in high school, and that was the only thing I was good at. I tried volleyball, I tried baseball, I tried basketball, I tried track. And I was not good at any of them. I was good at tennis, probably because it was a small court and I didn't need to be that tall. But I had an awesome tennis coach. I was on a state championship team. But my coach, Coach Hibbard, would yell at me when I was standing on the court and I had my feet flat and I wasn't moving. And he'd yell at me, Hernandez, move your feet, get ready. And this is a problem that I see in court, even with attorneys. They are not ready when they're in the courtroom. A lot of times people are sitting there, sitting back in their chair with their legs crossed, drinking a drink. One time I saw a guy drinking a Red Bull. I couldn't believe the judge permitted that. But they're not ready. So when I'm in the courtroom, I'm on the edge of my seat, I'm on my toes, and I'm ready to jump up. So the next slide, Shannon, the next slide is listen for clues. So sometimes you can tell just by listening, you have to listen that a question is going to be objectionable. For example, hearsay is an out-of-court statement. So if you hear somebody start to ask, Joe Schmo, what did Aunt Mary say to you when? You know that that's going to be a hearsay objection. And if you know the clues to look for and you're listening, you know that you can and you should be objecting. So listen for clues. And then the third step is to stand and say. You don't stand and you don't scream, but you stand up. That's the way I was taught because standing up will get the judge's attention. The judge will see you standing up out of the corner of his or her eye and will know you have something to say. And you say, I object. And you say it loudly and firmly, but calmly and respectfully. And that's how you make an objection. So the first step is to get ready. If you haven't written that down, write that down. Second step is to listen for clues. And third, third is to stand and say. So that's a lot of information. Next slide, Shannon, please. Just to recap real quick, number one, in building your case, you have to know what you want. Next, keep it simple. Select, keep your direct examination questions simple, non-leading and short. Third, we learned about cross-examination and how to impeach a witness. Remember the three C's? You commit them to the prior testimony. You confront them with the truth as you perceive it. And then you complete the impeachment. Fourth, we talked about asking, getting evidence admitted. At trial, a lot of time is just a matter of asking. Next slide. Fifth, objecting. Remember the steps to objecting? Get ready. Remember, as the Venus Williams sister, that's why I put a picture of her because she's a tennis player and I didn't have a picture of me playing tennis ready, but she's always ready. Get ready. Listen, to, listen for clues and stand and say. So that's a lot of information to digest, I know. And I, there's like a lot more I could teach you. I mean, I went to law school for three years. And um, it took a while to learn all of this. But just because you um, haven't gone to law school, most of you, some of you have, um, doesn't you can't mean you can't learn this stuff enough to competently represent yourself. Imagine what it would be like if you knew just some basics, like how to get evidence from the other side that they're required to give you, how to propound interrogatories on the other side, how to send a disclosure letter to the other side, how to prepare a cross-examination, how to prepare a direct examination. Would you feel more confident going into the courtroom 
Absolutely, and it would make a huge difference because you would be ahead of the game. You would be ahead of probably 90% of the people who go into the family law courtroom. So to help you out, I brought some resources. I have this objection cheat sheet, which normally when I go to Father Matters, I hand out to everybody. We have a bigger crowd than usual, but this is a laminated objection cheat sheet that I created, and on the front side, it has all the most commonly used objections um, that are used in trial, and I know you guys don't know what these mean, but I will tell you that if you find yourself in trial and you think something feels wrong, stand up and object, and the judge is going to want the basis for the objection. And if you don't know what to say, look down at the list and (laughs) pick something. Because I will tell you, sometimes you get lucky. I've gotten lucky. Sometimes I stand up and object, and I'm fumbling around, and I pick an objection, and the judge says, well, no, you know, it's not a relevance objection, but it's a hearsay objection, and the judge will sustain the objection. So it's better than doing nothing. On the back side of the objection cheat sheet is room for you to write down the other side's objection or exhibits that you intend to object to. So it gets you thinking beforehand about what you're going to object to and the basis for the objection. So this is my gift to all of you today. Um, Next slide. So if you want this objection cheat sheet, I'll email it to you. I just need you to text 96,000, I mean, sorry, courtroom to 96,000. So does anybody want the cheat sheet? It's free. All right. So text, before you forget, courtroom to 96,000. There's a lot more that I could give you if we had more time. I put on these workshops, and next slide, Shannon. So I have a full eight-hour day workshop scheduled. I have a room booked at the Clarendon Hotel in downtown Phoenix. It's one of the oldest hotels in Arizona. I have it booked for April 23rd. That's a Saturday. And I'm going to be there from 9 to 5 teaching people who want to know more about how they can command the courtroom in their family law case. Um, uh, There's going to be a workbook. I'm going to go into more depth in each of these areas that I just covered today. On top of that, I'm going to give you sample questions, sample disclosure statements, sample letters, a direct examination roadmap, cross-examination flowchart, and a lot more. So I will tell you, because I do mostly private cases, next step. To get a lawyer on your family law case, for those of you who have lawyers, you probably know that a lawyer worth their salt is going to charge you $5,000 just to get started. Usually, that's what I charge my clients. That's what it takes, and that doesn't mean that that's what it's going to cover to take your case all the way to trial. So this course doesn't cost $5,000, though. Next slide, Shannon. Um, And normally, I charge 327 hours per hour for my time. Next slide, Shannon. So that's $2,600. To get me for eight hours, at me charging 327, $2,616. This course doesn't even cost that. Next slide, Shannon. So to get me for a full eight hours in a small group study seven, limiting the capacity of the course to 30 people um, is $197. You get me for eight hours, and you're going to get a lot of things that are going to benefit you in your family law case, and you can even make payments, two payments of $98.50. So your family is the most important thing to you. Um, And this course is really giving up a Starbucks a day for two months. 
you know, or giving up eating out a couple times a week for two months. I mean, who wouldn't give that to increase their chances of success in the courtroom, to increase their chances that they're going to get to see their kids more, to increase their chances that um, maybe they're going to get to share in joint decision-making? Who wouldn't do that? The value is tremendous. So for people who sign up today, not only am I giving the event discount today, which is good for today only, it's good till the end of the conference. Next slide. I'm giving bonuses that are only good for today. So in addition to the live full-day training, um, you're going to get some training videos on opening statements and closing arguments. In Arizona, not all judges require, most judges don't require opening and closings, but just in case you get a judge who does, I'm going to give you this video training. I'm going to give you video training on expert examination. So if you have a court-appointed advisor in your case, or if there's a psychologist or a psychiatrist, there's a special way to examine experts. You're going to get a video training on communication and nonverbals in the courtroom. And for the people who sign up today, you're going to get a laminated three-hole punched copy of the objection cheat sheet, which I use. I carry with me to every trial. I put it in my exhibit notebook. And you're going to get my pretrial statement template today. So if there's these bonuses will go away after today. Now for those people who really want to dive in and who are really jazzed about this program, I have some special fast action bonuses. <clears throat> I'm going to give away the e-course that Jessica just raffled off for free. You'll get access to it today. Next, you're going to get lifetime access to the digital course once it's released after we record it at the Clarendon Hotel forever. You're going to get it. Third, and this is the best one, I think, the first three people who sign up are going to get an hour, a VIP strategy session with me. So I told you earlier that one hour with me in my office is $327. You're going to get these bonuses plus an hour with me. So an hour with me is more than the entire cost of the package. For the people who are really committed and they want to dive in, that's what you're going to get. So Elaine, hold up your hand. Elaine is my legal assistant, has been my legal assistant for about six or seven years. Seven years, so she was, she was, preg she was present in the delivery room when I had Paloma. So like she's a family member to me. But Elaine is going to be outside at our table for the three people who sign up first. Um, she'll get you set up. Next slide. Next slide, Jen. So you can do this. If you're feeling afraid and alone, you can't afford, cannot afford to hire an attorney, it's okay. You can do this. I've seen people do it. People have really given me a run for my money who represent themselves, but they've done their homework. Next slide. Your children need you in their lives. They need you. A child needs both parents. A child needs both parents who co-parents. Next slide. Your children deserve to have you in their lives. And don't get bullied around by the attorney or the person on the other side just because you don't know the rules, because you're losing on a technicality, and that doesn't serve the interest of justice. Your child deserves you, so do whatever it takes to make that time happen with your child. Next. Luck. Today is St. Patrick's Day, I know, but luck is not a strategy. You just don't show up to court unprepared, not knowing what you're doing, not having a game plan, not having a roadmap, not having um, a framework for your witnesses. You don't do that. This is not a strategy. These things that we're talking about are way too important to do that. 
Next slide. So again, don't be the guy who gets knocked out just because you didn't know. <clears throat> That's what I'm here to help you do. Next, I'm here to help you take your power back. And you can do it. This is, you know, there's some things that are out of your hands, but there are a lot of things that are in your hands. And if you take action now, you can increase the chances of success in the courtroom. That was Wendy Hernandez. That was two weeks of powerful, powerful free information. Get in touch with Wendy at 602-230-2333. Yeah, that's right. You can also contact her at her website at HernandezFirm.com. That's with a Z. If you missed last week's show, tune in to FatherMatters.org, BlogTalkRadio.com, or SoundCloud.com. Thank you for tuning into the Father Matters show. Send us your questions or comments at info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless.